pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Like I said, if you got your Bibles with you tonight, we'll turn to the book of Acts, chapter 3. I want to talk about the lame man who was healed at the temple's beautiful gate. Start off here by reading Acts chapter 3, verses 6 and verse 16. And this is the NIV version. It says, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then verse 16 says, It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. You know, the book of Acts takes up the history of Christianity where the gospel is left off. And um, after Jesus ascended to heaven, you know, the Holy Spirit came in a unique way. He told them to go and to gather in the city of Jerusalem in the upper room and wait to be endued with power from on high. And the Holy Ghost came that day and filled all of them that were there waiting. And The apostles went forward and, and went on, you know, dynamically and, and daringly going on to tell the story of the risen and the living Jesus Christ. You know, in, uh, in Red Square in Moscow is Lenin's tomb. Everybody knows who Lenin was, right? And his embalmed remains are lying there in his tomb in a crystal case. So people, you can go through there today and still view Lennon's body. And uh, the odd thing about it is they say that his body is looking better the further, the older it gets, his body looks even better. It's weird, it must be mummified or something by now, but there's an inscription on the casket, and it reads this. He was the greatest leader of all peoples, of all countries, of all times. He was the Lord of the new humanity. He was the Savior of the world. Everything that they say Lenin did is in the past tense. Was. As Christians, we know that our true Savior is Jesus Christ that's living and, and and dwelling inside of each one of us and you know the book of Acts it, it only tells of a few of the things that happened a few of the events you know if the word of God says that there aren't enough books in the world to hold everything that Jesus did and that his disciples did but the Holy Spirit led Luke 
to record the visit of Peter and John to the temple this day. And there they healed that man that had been lame ever since he had been born. And the Bible says that he was brought daily to the temple's gate called Beautiful and laid there to beg alms of those who entered. How strange Peter's words must have sounded when he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to thee. But how exciting his actions must have been when he told him those words, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he reached down and he picked him up by the right hand and helped him up to his feet. And that man went running and walking and leaping and praising God that day into the temple. Somebody who had never walked before. Someone who had been laid there lame and couldn't walk and had to beg alms to just get by. Double miracle that day. He learned how to walk and he learned how to leap all in the same time. a really good lesson in this story and that lesson is we've got to do what we can with what we have where we are for the kingdom of God today never wait for another a, a greater opportunity to present itself or wait for a, a time when we have greater abilities or resources, don't wait. Do what you can do for the kingdom today. Start today. Don't put it off. Don't put off what God has called you to do. Begin to work toward getting that thing done. Money isn't everything. Too often people think that giving money is the only way to help a person in need. But we see a story here where money wasn't the answer. Money wasn't the most important thing. Peter plainly told him, he said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any money. If you're looking to, for money from me, you're not going to get anything. But what I have... I'm going to give to you. And he proceeded to work a miracle. You know, the, the, the time can come uh, in the life of a person or in a church or in an organization when money becomes a problem. There was a man by the name of Tom, Thomas Aquinas. He was an Italian priest that lived in the 1200s, like 1225 to 1274. And he went to visit the Pope. And as he was visiting the Pope, the Pope began to show him all the treasures of the Roman church. And the Pope said to Thomas that day, well, Thomas, no longer can the church say silver and gold we don't have. But then this little priest repri replies back to the Pope, but have you ever thought 
that the church is in danger of not being able to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. It's important for us to keep our priorities right. It's important for us to keep things in focus. You know, uh, whether we use the term abilities or talents or gifts when we speak of what we have to offer God in service, uh, we got to answer the question, what do I have to offer my God? What do I have to offer the Lord in service to him? What do I have to give? And then there's another question that closely follows right behind that. Am I willing to give myself? Including my talents and my abilities and my gifts. Am, am, am I willing to give those things? Am I willing to be used any way that God sees fit to use me? Given what we have to the Lord unreal unreservedly for use in the service of the kingdom of God. How do we know that Jesus is living in power among us? You know, for the Jerusalem church that day, they knew that Jesus was living and alive and well among them that day because that man was up and he was walking and he was praising God and he had a testimony. How about us? Do we see lives being changed miraculously? Are there things happening among us that amaze and fill us with wonder at what God is doing? Are we yielding ourselves to be used for God's kingdom to make a difference in the lives of those people that we come in contact with on a daily basis? The book of Acts emphasizes the living Christ dwelling among his church. And, and, you know, Peter and John had that encounter with a lame man that had been crippled from birth. Each day somebody carried him to the temple. Each day somebody laid him there by the gate called Beautiful. He begged money every day from crowds of worshipers that passed by that prominent place. And that's where his healing took place, is right there. The lame man saw Peter and John approaching the gate, and he thought to myself, I'm going to ask them. I'm going to see. They might have something that they can give, give him. And so he looked at them, alms, you have any alms? You have anything that you can give me today? He was begging him for money. And Peter's words changed that man's life. Verse 6 again. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Peter took the man by the hand, helped him up. The man was healed instantly. He jumped to his feet. He walked around the temple courts praising God. The crippled man had been made whole. But the truth of the matter is, all of us, 
crippled and in need of healing. Paul in Romans 3.23 says this, All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53.6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to their own way. You know, we're dead spiritually, and, and the words of Jesus recorded in Luke 13, 3 state this, unless we repent, we'll perish. Like that lame man laying at the gate, we're helpless and we're powerless. We're spiritually crippled without Jesus. Salvation is our most basic need. Our society is crippled. Has crippled morals and crippled marriages and crippled relationships. Society is crippled by perversion. Abortion claims innocent lives every day. Pornography destroys homes. Sexual sin is a way of life for, for millions of people. Uh, people are crippled by alcohol and drug abuse. People are crippled with negative attitudes. Crippled with anger, crippled with hate and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. But only Jesus can bring the healing that we need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And, and, and that's, and that's what, what he said there in verse 6. Peter told him, silver and gold I don't have, but... What I, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Jesus promised his disciples. And um, where's it at? John 14, 14. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Peter there spoke the name of Jesus and there's power and there's authority in Jesus' name. The answer to our crippled generation is the name of Jesus Christ, not silver or gold or self-help books or the power of positive thinking. It's Jesus. Peter claimed that authority that day in Jesus' name. You know, Jesus was given all authority in heaven and in earth. And we find that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And then in verse 19, he turns around and he shared that power with his apostles. He told them, now you go. And then according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23, all believers share that same privilege of having the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that we do needs to be done with the awareness that we have spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. We have the, the authority to call people to salvation. We have the authority to pray victoriously. We've got the authority to resist the devil and make him flee. A lot of people like that. Well, the Word of God says to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And they leave off the very important first part of that verse. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. 
Are you submitting yourself to God? Are you doing the things that God has called you to do and walking the way that God wants you to walk and treating people the way that you want, that he wants you to treat them? Are you walking in love toward your neighbor, toward your family, toward your spouse? We've got the authority to enforce Christ's victory in our life and in our home and in our church and in our country. We don't need to take that spiritual authority lightly. We've we got to exercise as, as believers who are filled with the Spirit of God and living clean lives. And walk them by faith. There's power in the church whenever we as believers appropriate the authority that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, Peter explained that that, that miraculous healing of the crippled man was God's work. It's the living Christ at work. You know, what makes this first century message relevant to our 21st century times. Let's read Acts uh, chapter 13. Chapter 3, I'm going to be reading verses 13 through 26. And then we'll go back and talk a little bit about each one of them. This is the NIV. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenants God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. 
so again, I ask the question, what makes that first century message relevant in our 21st century times? That's because there's a message of our responsibility for Christ's death. If you take and you read what we just read, in every place it said you, insert your name. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Daryl handed him over to be killed. Daryl disowned him before Pilate. Takes on a little bit deeper meaning, doesn't it? So we, we see that there's a message for the responsibility of Christ. Christ's death, you know, the, 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 the apostles declared that the crucifixion was the greatest crime in human history. And the fact is, all of us are responsible for Christ being crucified. Because he died in our place. Like the scripture that I read last week. He became the propitiation. He became the atonement. He became the replacement for us on that cross. And there's a message of resurrection from the dead. Without the resurrection, there isn't any hope. There isn't any salvation. There isn't any church. There isn't any living Christ without the resurrection. There's a message of the power of Christ's presence. That's the secret of Christian life and the source of power in the church. There's a message of repentance and new life. Now, people don't want to hear repentance preached. They don't want to hear salvation preached. They want, they want to hear that Jesus loves you just the way you are and you don't have to change at all to come to him. No, you don't have to, but once you come to him, you will change. Because he loves you enough to not leave you in the mess that he found you in. You know, it said there, turn to God that your sins might be blotted out, that they might be completely wiped away. Through the Lord's presence, we find revival. Times of restoration and refreshment from the Spirit of God working in us to change us, to draw us to Him, to make us closer to Him, to, to get into His presence. The message of the return of the Lord. Man, they were expecting Jesus to come right then. They were expecting him to come back right now. And that's the way they lived their life. They never, never gave hope that the next day that they got up that Jesus was coming that day. And they lived their lives in that style. Nowadays the church has heard it so much, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. I've been hearing that preached all my life. He ain't came yet. Keep playing around. You're going to slip in on you. 
as believers, we know he's coming again. He may come in a few years. He may come in a few days. He may come in a few minutes. But he's coming. And we have to be ready for his return. And we got to respond to him. We got to seek him. We got we got to respond to him. We we want we want to be blessed. But more important than than us being blessed, we want to be a blessing. You know, responding to Jesus brings joy, but rejecting him brings ruin. And so what are your expectations? How do you reach the place that God desires you to be in? How do we get to that place where God wants us to be and and to where we're able to do the things that God has called us to do? I have one word for you. Obedience. Obedience is the key. You know, those verses that we we read here in the book of Acts show that without obedience, the power of the gospel wouldn't have been shown. That man would still be lame, and the truth, truth, truth wouldn't have been shared. As I read that, those verses over and over, a few times today that that one word kept coming to mind and that's obedience and this evening in what little bit of time we have left I want to give you four reasons from God's word why you should be walking in obedience toward God and the word number one in obedience You allow God to provide you opportunities. Peter and John, in obedience, were where God could move in the lame man's life. They were walking in obedience. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple. What would have happened if they had said, I don't feel like going to the temple today? God's power wouldn't have been manifested in that lame man's life if they hadn't have been there to do it, right? A man wouldn't have been healed. A testimony wouldn't have been able to be shared. But because Peter and John were obedient and they went to the temple as God had commanded, they were used by God to perform a miracle. Hebrews 10.25 states this, for not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Man, it's extremely sad today that a lot of Christians neglect the simple pleasure of attending church. And this coronavirus mess, this COVID-19, where they shut everything down and everybody went to remote and live broadcasting of, of their services. And, and we do it. We, we, we do Facebook Lives and we post on, on YouTube. But those are, that's for people who can't get here. 
It's not for people that just don't want to come. Let me get back to this before I get into something I don't want to get into tonight. But people don't... Don't partake of that simple pleasure of going to church and being in the presence of God's people and worshiping together with people and having corporate worship and corporate prayer and understanding and worshiping that God is moving among his people because he said where two or three are gathered in his name, he'd be in the midst of them. When we come together here in the name of Jesus, he's here. And then people wonder why God's not moving in their lives. How are you going to allow God to move in your life if you're walking in disobedience to him? You know, we, we see that Peter and John were obedient and walking according to God's timing. You know, look at the verse at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. They knew it was time for church. They knew what time prayer was. And they knew that they should be in church. There was a specific time set aside for worship and prayer, and Peter and John were on their way. Sad thing is, a lot of churches throughout the country, they hold a midweek prayer service or, or um, a, a midweek Bible study, and, and most of the time that's the smallest crowd of the week. Why? Because it's not important to a lot of people to come. God set the time for prayer and, and, and knew that in obedience, Peter and John were going to be on their way and they were going to be going to the, to the temple at that time. So in God's sovereign purpose, that man was there. Wait a minute, that man was there every day. And Peter and John went to the temple and they prayed every day. So what happened? You know, if they would have possessed a careless attitude that day, said, well, we went last week, we don't need to go this week, or I'll wait till the last, uh, I'll wait till second service, I'll, I'll go to second service. Too early, you know, the, the, that second service, that crowd would be a little smaller. You know, if they'd have made any kind of excuse other than it's time to go to the house of prayer, time to go to the synagogue, it's prayer time, we got to go, we got to get there, we got to be on time. You know, verse 2 of... Uh, of of this third chapter tells us that that, that that man was laid daily at the gate of the temple. To be of benefit to that man, Peter and John had to be at the temple. There wasn't any other path that they could have walked that would have caused them to encounter that man. You know, in uh, Luke chapter 10, there was a parable about 
and Jesus talked about two men that deviated from their path so that they wouldn't be a blessing. What do you mean they deviated from their path so they wouldn't be a blessing? The parable of the Good Samaritan. The first two people that came by, they saw the man who had been beat up and, and laying on the side of the road about to die. The first two people that came by and saw him, they saw him, they saw his situation, and they went across the street and walked around because they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to bother with it. They had other things that they had to do. They had other places that they had to be. They lacked compassion. They changed their path and they walked by over on the other side, but, but the Samaritan kept on that straight and that narrow path and, and he refused to be disobedient and God provided for him an opportunity to be a blessing. Peter and John never doubted for a moment that that man would be healed. Their hearts were fixed on him. You know, unlike the parable of the Good Samaritan where the two men crossed the street so they wouldn't be involved, Peter fastened his eyes upon him, the word said. Peter didn't look away. He didn't think that the man's problem was too great. He didn't say, that's just another beggar looking for a handout. Peter fixed his heart and fixed his eyes on that man. And when Peter did that, that lame man's expectations were raised because he had been used to seeing people walk by and just turn their head the other way and walk on past. But here it is, Peter is looking him straight in the eye and he's locked focus with him and he's looking, the lame man's expectations raised like I said I'm, I'm sure he had seen people that would come and go and wouldn't even look in his direction or they might laugh at him or maybe spit on him or even worse but this time he saw somebody that was interested in him <coughs> excuse me in verse 5 it says he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something from them Peter and John walked by, and Peter looked at him and said, look on us. Look at us. Don't look at the crowd going around. Look at us. Now, he didn't receive what he expected, but he got what he was least expecting. And it's sad that a lot of times Christians live with no expectations. There's people that have never experienced God moving in their lives, so what do they expect? They just go through the motions. They go through a religious experience, and, and, and it's not, they don't, have a, they don't have salvation, and they're not having a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus, and they don't know what it's like to have Jesus working and moving in their lives every day. And that's how the devil wants people to think. 
if he can keep a child of God trapped in low expectation, then he's got a great victory going. Because the Word of God says, without a vision, people perish. And Peter knew that he could be a blessing to that man by God's grace. And I believe that God allows us at times in our lives to be blessings in other people's lives. Peter said he didn't have any money, but he did have something. And what he had, he gave. If you look at it and you read it, you know this, that he didn't ask God to do it. He knew that God had given him the ability through Jesus' name to perform the miracle. Ezekiel 34, 26 states, And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. <clears throat> Did he say that he was going to bless Israel? No. He said he was going to make them a blessing. The results were assured. Peter never flinched. Peter never doubted. I don't believe he hesitated for a moment there. He told the man, rise up and walk. And he reached out and took him by the hand and helped him up. You know, it would have been an absolute disaster to Peter and John if the man remained lame. But Peter knew that the results were assured. He knew that he had the compassion. He knew that he was in obedience. He knew he had the right source. He knew that he was doing it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So he knew that he had the ability. And the reason that a lot of Christians doubt and fail to receive the ability to be a blessing to others is because they're not walking their walk and their life in obedience to Christ. 1 John 3.22 states this. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. There's a condition to be a blessing because we keep, because we do. That keys obedience. We have to walk in obedience to God. We've got to move in obedience to God and when we move in obedience to God then his power is made manifest in our lives he changes us and he allows us to be able to change those that we come in contact with and we read about the lame man and his healing and his testimony in the temple because these two men were walking in obedience to God this man not only received a blessing but he also received a testimony I've been laying outside this temple, lame, crippled, begging all my life. I'm walking today. I'm running, I'm jumping, I'm praising God. Verse 9 says, all the people saw him walking and praising God. What a testimony. 
But once again, the key is obedience. Now, we've got to turn the, the reflection towards us. Are, are, are we walking in obedience to God's word? Or, or are we living in a mode of low expectations because we're disobedient to God? Hard for us to expect to receive anything from God if we refuse to follow him. to tell you tonight your life can be changed Jesus can transform us in a moment we can begin to expect great and mighty works of God in our life if we surrender our heart to Jesus if we walk in obedience to, to, to Jesus you know and that's the thing. If we've never known Jesus as our personal Savior, he decided, desires to, to give us that personal, personal, wonderful experience. He, he wants to give us his grace. He wants to extend it to us. He wants to give it to us. And he doesn't want us to walk in defeat because we walk in disobedience. He wants us to make a new and a total commitment to him, to, to follow his path, to be obedient in everything in his word, and to watch God transform our lives. I've got to wrap this up. I think I can, I think I can. Whenever that message of salvation is preached, something happens. The book of Acts is living proof, is proof of the living Jesus in the church. The living Christ means there's hope for a crippled society and there's authority for the people of God and a message for all times. In Ephesians 2.12, the Bible says this, that without Christ, people have no hope and without God in the world. They're spiritually lost. John 3.18 says they're condemned already. They're not condemned tomorrow or next year, not at 21, not at death, but already condemned. People are trapped in sin. The nature of our human heart is to sin and to rebel against God. And Jesus is our only hope. In answer to a seeking heart, what must I do to be saved is the reply, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior. It's a simple truth, but, but there's a lot of confusion. Salvation isn't in a parent's faith. Salvation isn't in religious principles. Salvation isn't in a specific church. Salvation is not in a culture. Salvation's not in outward symbols. Salvation's not in living a good life. Salvation comes one way, and that's through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. Jesus is God's provision 
Jesus is God's gift. He's the living Savior. He's the Lord. And Jesus is our only hope for personal salvation. What are we to do? How are we to respond? We have to believe him. We have to trust him. We have to be obedient to him. We have to acknowledge the facts of his life, death, and resurrection. We've got to trust ourselves in personal surrender to him. Jesus is our only hope. And everybody that, that believes in Jesus and is dedicated to him, we've got some great resources. And we got to learn to share Jesus with the people that we come in contact with in two ways. It's in lip and in life. We got to be able to talk the talk, but we also have to be able to walk the walk. You know, time, talent, tithe, influence, all of that belongs to God. Jesus is the hope. But do we believe it? Do we walk in obedience to him? And are we ready to proclaim it and to share it and to testify to it? We have to apply his power and his authority to our life by faith and let his word begin living and be active in us. We've got to be like Peter. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I'll give to you. We've got to go about giving Jesus to those people that we come in contact with. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Walk in newness of life. Walk in healing and health and wholeness. And be a light to those people that we come in contact with. Don't wait. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us tonight to gather, to come into your presence for worship, to share the word of God for just a moment. As we leave this service tonight, we ask that you allow us the opportunity to be obedient to your spirit. When we see the, the door open up to share you with another, let us step through with gladness and share. We give you all glory, Father, and we thank you for all that you work into our lives. We thank you, Lord, that your word says, for all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that you're working it for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all tonight. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning. Amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.